Hello, hello, my fellow podcast people. I hope you're doing very, very well on this fine Wednesday night or whatever day and time it is for you right now as you're listening to this podcast episode. I'm your host, as per usual, Azrin, the language nerd. You can find me primarily on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and YouTube, but also secondarily whenever I feel like posting on TikTok and on Tumblr. My username on all these platforms is exactly the same. It is at polyglotazrin. That is spelled P-O-L-Y-G-L-O-T-A-Z or Z, depending on your country, R-E-N. And welcome to another podcast episode. I'm very, very excited, as per usual, to be recording this one here. First and foremost, let's jump into some life updates. Um, One thing has been happening at work, which is a problem, but it is a good problem. And the problem is that I have been hitting a couple of ceilings in a few aspects of my work. Or rather, I should be more specific, I'm getting close to hitting a couple of ceilings with a few aspects of my work. First of all, as you guys know, I host weekly events for language learners. Most of the time, if not almost all the events, are conversation events. So they're events for people to come of all levels, beginner, intermediate, advanced. And there's different activities and different things going on for people to practice and continue developing and learning whatever language that they are trying to learn. My events focus primarily on English, French, and Spanish, since these are the languages that I speak and that I could actually lead lead activities for um, if the need if the need arises. And so that's typically what I've been doing. However, the thing is that when I look at how I've been running these events, these weekly conversation style events, one of the issues is that there is not actually there is not enough space to really have more a lot more people attending the events. Obviously, and I should be more specific, there is some space for people to attend, but we're getting to a point where we are almost capped out. And actually, to be perfectly honest with you, we definitely are pretty much capped out in the sense that if there's so many people coming, I'm only one person and I can't run the event effectively without extra extra hands, without extra help from other people. Like if there's 50 people and I need to be running different events for different levels of people with different languages, like I can't be in six places at the same time. And so that is definitely one kind of challenge or problem that I'm currently facing in the work side of my life. One of the potential solutions that I want to implement, and I'm not 100% sold on this, but I'm pretty close. I'm chipping away at it over the next couple days to figure out if this is really the direction I want to go, but I think it is, is I think I need to start, I guess you could say, getting help, asking people and, and finding people who want to run events, who want to help out at my events, who want to do their own events, so that way we can have not just conversation events, but maybe we can do a hiking a hiking event in Spanish. Maybe we can do a French board game night. Maybe we can do an additional conversation night. Maybe we can do um, English and dancing. Maybe we can do other types of events that I either A, don't have the time to add in my schedule, or B, don't really have a skill set to do or don't even want to sometimes do it. Like, I don't want to schedule a English or or Spanish and dancing night. Like, I don't really want to do that. That's not something that gets me excited or anything. And so I think if I can bring on some extra help and get help from other people who want to host events, who want to, you know, volunteer at my current events and do that, we can start to 
expand further and allow more people to attend the events, allow more events to be taking place, allow essentially push this whole language thing and give people more options for how they want to learn the language. Because here's the thing, a lot of people at my current events probably don't come because they don't want to go to a conversation event. They don't want to, I don't know, play games because we often play games. They don't want to go to that coffee shop where we go to because it's too far for them. Or maybe my events are always on Saturdays. Someone messaged me just a couple days ago saying they always work on Saturdays. They want to come, but they work and they can't come. So I think having other days host other days for events hosted by other people, getting help, I think that's just a good idea. The other thing that I think this helps with, and it was funny, my mom said it to me as a random idea when I was just kind of running this by here and talking to her about this. And it's funny because she said it and I was like, yes, that's just the right thing to do. Like that makes sense. She said, oh, you should be doing the language nerd events, like the language nerd yoga class, the language nerd hiking group, the language nerd dance group, the language nerd this, the, like it becomes a brand. And all of a sudden I have my hand, it's a language nerd this, that, the other thing. And people can, you know, living in an English speaking city can get involved in a wide variety of events and activities and things that are offered in different languages. And it's all done through one central kind of location, one central organization or person or whatever, which is the language nerd. And I think that's cool, right? Because all of a sudden we can have cool things going on like event hosts. Let's say there's a girl named Alicia who is hosting events. She can be Alicia the language nerd. All the leaders that are running events, that are helping out, that are volunteering, that are working for me, that are doing that, they become their first name, the language nerd, Alex the language nerd, blah, 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 the language nerd. It's kind of a cool little thing, right? It's just interesting. I think what I also like about this idea is it gives me other content ideas. So on my YouTube right now, for those of you guys who are following it or who, who follow my YouTube, it's been a lot of live streams, live streams of me just getting my work done. So I answer your guys' questions for sure. I will, you know, say hi to you, but really I'm just getting a lot of my work done. And right now, as of today, as of October 24th, 2018, for the past little while, my YouTube has been a window into my real life, like really real life, like more real than vlogs. You know when you watch people's video blogs on YouTube and they're showing like they're vlogging their life? Well, this is way more real than that. It's so real that it's actually kind of boring in some respects. Like it's just like you're literally just watching someone do regular stuff in their life. It's legitimately what it is. It's like if you were just eating dinner and having random conversation with your mom or your husband or your wife or and just like random stuff and there's just a camera on you. Like that's basically what I'm using it for now. But if I'm doing this, you know, the language learned, the language nerd kind of stuff where I'm bringing on different people, there's more events happening. I think there's some interesting content that could be created from that. I think also the other thing that opens the door from, opens the door to, excuse me, and this is solving a second business problem I'm having right now, is uh, extra income. You know, right now, my income, 99 or a huge percentage, 90% plus of my income is basically generated by teaching languages, by teaching English, teaching French, teaching Spanish, and that's going really well. My schedule is pretty damn near full, pretty close, okay? But that being said, since my schedule is full and I'm not earning the amount of money that I need to earn long-term to support 
like a basic lifestyle, even just being able to move out and not live completely paycheck to paycheck, right? I need to be increasing the amount of money that I'm earning. I just, that needs to be happening. And if my if my teaching schedule is pretty full and there's not that much, and there's not that much space to add new people or add people into the classes I currently run, like if the classes are full, if et cetera, et cetera, like there needs to be another solution implemented to push the ceiling higher so I could earn more money. And I've been trying to figure this out. One option I've thought about is basically becoming a language school, hiring teachers and getting more students that way. But the problem is you don't make a lot on that. You don't make a lot of money. I mean, it's difficult. Like if a student's, let's say you've got a class of, let's say, I generally do small classes. I don't do large classes. So let's say my class has got four people, okay? Let's say on those four people, I'm making pre-expenses, whatever it is, like, I don't know, uh, let's say it's 80 bucks an hour per hour taught. So everyone's paid their, their fees. When we figure out the, the, the hourly wage of how much I would make teaching that class, let's say it's 80 bucks an hour, okay? Now, if I hire a teacher, let's say, there's some challenges. Number one, I have to pay the teacher, obviously, and I'm going to pay them well. I know how I, I know how I operate in that sense. They're going to be paid a little bit more than whatever the average pay is. So, for example, when I've hired tutors in the past, um, I paid them 30 bucks an hour just to tutor, which is like, it's pretty damn high for tutors. Like, that's pretty rare for some random 20-year-old person that's just a student to be paid that much to tutor someone. But that's just, I just, there's something about it. I want I don't ever want to have the argument of I'm not earning enough money. You should be well paid. Okay. So if I'm hiring a tutor or a teacher to run these small group classes, they're going to be paid well. I don't know what they're going to be paid. I haven't even thought that far in advance, but they'll make 30, 40, 25, 30. They'll make good money on it, right? I'll have costs of where we're teaching from. So if I'm using office space, that's a cost on that. There's going to be the cost of my time of running payroll and paying the teacher. And there's the cost of, uh, excuse me, there's the cost of finding the students to even fill the classes. There's the marketing cost. There's the time cost of teaching the teacher, maybe coaching them, giving them feedback. There's the headaches of what happens if a teacher quits. I have to replace them. There's, it's just not, it's just not appealing, right? And when you look at how much I'm making for the work to build the school and build that, it just doesn't sound like fun to me. It doesn't sound like a pathway I want to go down. It reminds me a lot of my window cleaning business days where you have a lot of employees, a lot of customers, a lot of paperwork, and you make money on it. Of course you do, but it's a lot of work for the, it's a lot of work for the money, which is fine, but I'm doing work that, I'm doing a lot of work that I don't enjoy. There's a lot of administrative work when you have that kind of business. There's a lot of um, finicky detail-oriented tasks, and I don't, that's just not my thing. It's just not something, I, I do it, I don't mind it, but I don't, want to, I don't want to be spending 60, 70, 80, 90% of my attention on that kind of stuff, okay? I don't want to be like a secretary for God's sake. So that's not a path I want to go. And so by bringing on, by kind of, I guess you could say, bringing on these people that are running events and we're doing, we're going in that direction, it's a lot more fun for me. And it feels more exciting. It opens up an avenue of becoming an events hub. So I can imagine my website having like two categories, free events, which we'll always have. I, I believe in that to no end. I like that we have a lot of free stuff. I like that people can come and do a lot for free, but then also have some paid stuff, have some paid yoga classes in Spanish, have some paid this, paid that, paid this, paid that. Classes obviously have different like services 
where I'm basically being paid a referral fee, right? So I'm not worrying about the, I'm literally just sending an invoice to someone to go, hey, I sent you this many people, please pay me this much money. I want 20% of the sale or whatever it is. Like that feels better. The other thing is if I'm a huge language learning hub, if I'm really got the attention of language learners, something as simple as selling apparel and selling basic things like a mug that says, I'm a language nerd, t-shirts, like like becoming a, and uh, I guess you could say selling language learning related stuff like that locally and selling 25 grand a year of that kind of stuff. If I'm really got a big base like that, there's an extra little perk, an extra little amount of cash that makes, that goes a long way. And the nice thing is for me, my ambition in terms of how much money I want to earn is not super duper high. I don't, I, I mean, maybe it'll change, but as of today, October 24th, 2018, I don't really have any ambitions of earning a million dollars a year, five million dollars a year, half a million dollars a year in the bank. Woo! Like, no, like that's not, that's not, it doesn't drive me. It just, it just doesn't. There was a point where it did. I'll be real, I'll be really open, honest with you. My initial hook into business was that get rich quick. It was, but that was relatively short lived, to be honest. And now I have my own financial goals, which are, you know, uh, modest enough, like they're not super duper high. And the good thing about that is that I can build, like I can build a, to, to build a business that makes me the amount of money that I want to earn in like profit, I think is realistic. I think I have the skill set to do it. And what's cool about me is where my bigger ambitions lie is just with, um, I guess you could say, I guess you could just say building something around language learning. Like I want, I think it's cool to have free events for people. I think it's cool that lots of people come. I think it just makes me feel good. And I don't necessarily need all of it to lead to extra income. Not necessarily. Like I do want some out of it and it, it is a business thing, but not everything. Like I, I think it's cool that there's people listening to this podcast and I don't need a single penny from you. I think that's really interesting. I just like it. I feel really, I don't know what it is. It's just fun for me. <laughs> I just like people listening to what I have to say and talking to them and people. I like people. I really, really like people. And um, as long as I'm working in a way, I've even talked about it, as long as I'm working in a way where there's lots of people and I'm around people and people, people, people and, and language, language, language. And and I, I think that's just going to be a lot of fun. So again, all the stuff I just spewed, all the stuff I just said literally may never happen. I might never decide to move forward with that. I've done that many times in the past where I have this cool idea. It's, <coughs> excuse me, it sounds great. But then literally two days later, I'm like, ah, eh, no, that doesn't sound exciting. Actually, I don't want to do that. Never mind. So I might have just talked about all this stuff and I may never actually do it, but we'll see. I mean, I've got a couple meetings. I've got one meeting on uh, Saturday. I've got a couple little things that I've already set in motion to kind of get the ball rolling slowly with this. I do think there are certain things that maybe I should be doing regardless of me, like irrespective of me trying to really get to this big picture I painted for all of you, even as some basic little things that need to happen. Like I think I, it would be good to have a little bit of help at some of my events I already run. Like that seems practical. I think right now I'm quite stretched thin and we could have better events if I even had one person who was helping out with different things. Like that could go a long way. Um, just little things like that. Even I think I could, I already kind of need to look at implementing, um, anything else that's new in my world. Let's see here. Um, nothing really crazy. That's kind of the biggest thing that's new right now. 
Um, the other thing that's new, it's coming up in November, and this is more scary, is I have a dentist appointment where I need to get a filling in my tooth filled and I'm like terrified. Oh my God, like I hate needles so much. As of today, I'm not feeling super bad because it's still a few weeks away. And so I'm not, it hasn't hit me yet, but I know as we approach that appointment, like I can like picture that needle right now and like, oh man, uh, just not, not a good thing. Not a good sign at all. I'm actually working on that, by the way. That's something I haven't talked about. I'm working on this phobia uh, of like doctors and needles and healthcare practitioners. I'm working on this and I'm like trying to get better at it. And I've, I'm taking some steps, some steps I don't really want to share exactly what they are, but I am taking some steps and it has been interesting to see some progress with it. And um, I guess just a little word of encouragement, I guess you could say is if you've got some phobias or fears, like just someone take it from me. I'm just kind of going through the process right now of trying to work through some of them. It's it's uh, it, it feels good, I guess you could say. It feels good to slowly let that poison out and slowly start to get over some of those fears and phobias and and I'm pretty early in the process like I haven't done a lot with it I've done a little bit I've, I've done a few weeks of it and it's you know just starting to help a little bit but um you know I think if I keep chipping away in five years two years one year three years like I think there'll be a noticeable big noticeable difference and one thing and this is kind of a random thing I don't want to go too far into this because um this podcast has already been going for however long. I don't even know how long it's been going for quite some time, but uh, I don't want to go too far into it. 17 minutes. Wow. But uh, one thing as well is I think we need to look at how long life is like life is really long. And like for me, when I think about three years, when I go, oh, man, like I might, you know, after three years of chipping away at these fears and phobias, I'm going to be good. Or like even language learning, man, give me four years and I'm going to be really good at this language. I think I think of that as not very long. I'll be like, oh yeah, four years. Like that's not that long. I could do that four years. I think a lot of people think as four years is long, but we need to quantify that we're probably, unless some freak accident happens or whatever, or like something terrible, but we're probably my guess and I could be wrong. But again, assuming the world stays the way it is right now and nothing weird, no big crisis erupts or anything, in which case we'll have much bigger problems in our life expectancy. We'll have much bigger things to worry about and whatever. But assuming things stay pretty stable, like we're going to live much longer than we have before. And four years is not a very long time. Three years, two years, five years. It's not that long, right? Especially if, you know, I wish I knew the exact ages of everyone who listened to this podcast. But if you are you know, let's say you're between the age of 18 and, you know, I'm not 30 or anything, but even if you're like 18 to the, what I really want to say is if you're between the age of 18 to 50, 18 to 60, like 18 to 65, even like you're still young. We still have time unless you've got some weird health condition or whatever, but generally speaking a lot of us have time and i don't know 65 i don't know what 65 feels like and so maybe i'm stretching maybe the safe statement is if you're between the age of 18 and 40 let's maybe say there i'm not even 40 nowhere close to 40 yet but i'm just trying to based on what i feel like today and i could be so wrong i'm so young i get it i might not be right about this but at any rate especially let's say this if you're younger than me i can speak to this with 100 percent accuracy if you are my age or younger Three years is nothing. If you're 22, and this one I can say from experience, this, if you're 22, 
and you mess up the next three or four years and you don't really do much right or you kind of fumble around or nothing really goes for you and you start at 26 and then you start to really figure things out, that's fine. That's actually not long at all. That's actually normal. Literally, I can think of right off the top of my head, literally two people, like literally right without even thinking about it, two people who like just did not have stuff figured out. I know someone who didn't have the stuff figured out to like 30, like literally 30. Actually, literally like, what is it? Like she's gotta be, how old is she? She's like early thirties. Literally, I spoke with her like not even a couple, not even a few months ago. And now she's finally started to figure stuff out in her life. Like now she's got, she's got a good job. Now she's making kind of the money she wants to make. Now she's kind of really starting to get started. But until that spinning or the spinning their wheels, not going forward, like kind of just dead end jobs, like just not, you know, degree was the degree they did was not helping them. They went, had to go back to school and had to pay off this low, like, like, and now they're fine. Like it's, it's totally fine. Right. And I think there's a pressure at, at the age of tw in our twenties or whatever to get things figured out. And I, I just, I just don't think we need, to, I think we need to be very mindful of that pressure and fight that pressure. Like I'm 26 and I'll, I'll let me tell you, like I'm 26 and I'm living it with my mother. Like I'm living at home and that's not cool. Like I, there's in my circle anyway, there's very few 26 year olds that I know that are living at home and like, it's just not real. Right. And I mean, it's it, obviously there are 26 year olds living at home. It, it, it does happen, but, but it's, uh, it's getting old. Like in, in the North American culture, like that's getting old for being at home. People have said, Azrin, why hasn't he moved out yet? not in my family, but like Canadian people. And like, it's just, it just, it just doesn't, I just, I just know for me what I'm working on. I know why I haven't moved out. I know when I will move out. I know what mental state I'll need to be in to move out. I know what financial state I'll need to be in. That's it. That's all. Now I'm lucky. I had a mom that raised me like in that respect, in many respects, in my life, not all respects, but many respects. I'm lucky, like really lucky that I grew up with a mom who uh, raised me in a way where I'm in my own head, like uh, other people's opinions in most aspects of life, not every aspect, but many aspects of life, other people's opinions affect me very minorly, whether it's positive stuff or negative stuff. They just don't, I just know, to, I just know to take them with a grain of salt. Uh, they don't know me. You don't know me. You don't know my life, right? Um, and I'm just lucky in that sense. And, but I, but it is a truth. Like, I think it's easier, not easier. It's a better idea to live in your own head. It's a better idea to, to do what you feel is right for you. At least that's my belief. I could be wrong, but that's kind of what I believe. Anyway, enough random ramblings. I could do this forever. Let's jump into some language learning stuff. And this is based on something that happened earlier today. I was teaching a student. This is a one-on-one -on -one private lesson. Previously, me and the student had one hour lessons. Most of my students usually have one hour lessons. That tends to be a common theme. Some of them have some of them have 90 minute lessons. Some of them have two hour lessons. So it's between one and two hours. When I had this lesson with my student, this one particular student last week or a couple weeks ago, he asked me, Azrin, could we do a two hour lesson next time? Could we try that? And I was like, sure, let's do it. And so today we had our, our first two hour lesson. And there's a lot of things that stood out for me when we had that lesson. It got me thinking about the ideal amount of time to study a language in one sitting. 
a lot of people, especially if you're self-learning, using apps, textbooks, video courses, using YouTube, using whatever, a lot of self-taught language learners often are putting 10, 15, 20, 30 minute study sessions. That's how long a session is, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And I've actually heard, and I don't know if this is true, but I've heard people say things like, oh, if you study for too many hours, your brain can't take it. You have to, you know, 30 minutes is really good. Have one hour, I forget what the time was, but it was definitely less than an hour. Or I was, I was hearing someone say something or reading something where they said, a 30 minute study session's really good. Like that's, you can tell, you can really learn a lot from that. You can take a lot away from it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that is very, very true. 30 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, even five minutes a day goes a long way. However, let me tell you what else goes a long way. What else goes a long way are long study sessions. Study sessions where you're actually working at it for two hours, three hours, four hours, five hours at a time. I've talked about this many times. This is not something new. I mentioned this on the podcast a lot. But, you know, it was funny when I was working with this student, like we were kind of, we had a conversation, me and him afterwards. Where is the line between you studied for too long and it's no longer effective or you studied for not long enough. There's kind of this magic zone. And I think that's kind of the thing we have to strive for. We have to try and figure out what is that magic amount of time that if I study for, or if you study for, or practice for, or write for, whatever, that you, 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 you work on whatever language for, that it's going to be the most beneficial, you can get the maximum benefit out of that time. What is that time period? So with this one student I met today, you know, one hour, when we were having one hour lessons, they felt fast, they felt quick. He was really energetic, like he, we, I felt like, and even he was feeling it, we could have gone so much deeper and we could have, we could have accomplished more if we just had extra time together. And so with the two hour lesson, it was a completely different feel. By the end of it, you know, we really got to push some concepts deeper. He really got lots of repetitions with certain things. We got to do multiple activities. And by the end of it, he said, I think his exact wording was, he was on the brink of frustration, meaning he was getting frustrated, but not quite super frustrated. Almost like if we did another half an hour, he would start to get frustrated with himself and it would start to become a detrimental process. And I think that's that magic moment. You wanna, you want to keep your study sessions to just when you start to get frustrated, right? You're like, you're starting to get tired. You're starting to, your brain's like, okay, I don't know if I could do this much longer. When you hit that point, do an extra 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, do an extra little bit and then stop. I think that's the magic moment. I almost think of it like, uh, like exercising. It's like, uh, I remember I saw this personal trainer maybe a year, maybe two years ago and we're doing some different rep, some exercises. And she would always push me just past my level of comfort. Like right when I'd be like, okay, I'm done, I'm tired now. She'd push me just a little bit past that moment. A couple more reps, uh, just a few more, right? And that pushes you, it pushes your boundaries. It makes your brain learn a little bit more. It's kind of like what I said, maybe two or three podcast episodes ago. I think the podcast is called something like OMG, this is why people don't learn faster or something like that. Um, where I said like, 
people are not doing that active study. They're doing a lot of random study, randomly listening to music, randomly just reading stuff, random app, scrolling through apps, just random stuff, right? I think this ties into that podcast where you have to be doing, you have to be doing things that are pushing your brain, that are stretching your comfort zone, that is stretching your stamina. So I told my student today, for example, I was like, hey man, he said, I was just getting frustrated. And I was like, awesome. Give me a few weeks of that and two hours is not gonna stretch you anymore. It's just gonna feel okay and normal. And that means that the next time you're in a more intensive scenario, maybe you're, you meet a French person, a Francophone person, it's going to be, a, you're going to be able to have a little bit more stamina in that conversation before you really get tired and can't think anymore. That building stamina is important. And I think that's kind of the big recap, the big lesson I want everybody to take away from this podcast is one element you have to be working on is increasing your stamina for how intensively and how how long you can be working on or studying or practicing whatever language or languages you're trying to learn. That stamina is a big piece. And the longer your stamina, the more you can build that out and flesh that out, the more you can, this the better it's going to be for you. The last thing I'll say on this is that I see a lot of language learners, and this happens to them, where they um, they are studying whatever language, they've been taking classes, they've been doing whatever practice they've been doing, they, they have a decent level. They're intermediate, low intermediate, upper intermediate, they've got this okay level, right? Where they can carry a conversation, whatever. But the first time, they the, the moment they enter a scenario where there's a couple of native speakers and it's not just the classroom scenario anymore. It's not just the practice scenarios. It's not just the online program they've been doing. All of a sudden, within 45 minutes, their brain's overwhelmed. They're just tired. They're just done. And they're like, oh my God, this sucks. And you're, you're, you're exhausted. You sleep like a, you sleep like crazy. This has happened to me so many times. I felt it in French and Spanish and in Mandarin. You go to bed at night and you're like, oh, my brain is tired. Some of you feel that after a one hour lesson, two hours lesson, you're going home, you're driving home on the bus, you're like, oh, my brain's tired, that was hard. I feel it after like four hours, five hours, six hours, seven hours, and depending on the language, I feel it after longer and longer periods of time. Like, it just gets longer and longer, and that's just an incredibly important thing, um, especially because in the real world, you don't just talk for an hour. You don't just, you're not just immersed in a, you don't just have a one hour class you have scenarios where you're going to be using it for extended periods of time, the language. So anyway, let's wrap this podcast up here. Thank you so much for listening. My voice is getting kind of dry. I've been talking nonstop for half an hour. Wow. Um, Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. We will talk later. Bye for now, guys. See you.